example, hello everyone. This is data-driven Formula One with Patrick Hansen Ganapagrebna. Hi, Patrick. Hello, Gana. Hello, all. And nice to be back with a very special episode from Track to Triumph. We are asking ourselves, is there a life beyond Formula One? Right, and uh, this is an episode that we promised to do a while ago when we were uh, discussing Carlos Reutemann. And this yeah. is about um, Formula One drivers uh, who actually have a life outside <laughs> Formula One. Well, primarily we will talk about uh, retired drivers who retired and went into a completely different field and succeeded there. Um, but we also have several uh, existing drivers as well in this mix. Of course, uh, I think uh, ma many existing drivers these days have their own business, mostly, you know, advertisement, right? Uh, because of the, all the advertisement that they do while they compete. Uh, but yeah. yeah, some have more than that. <laughs> and we're not going to obviously discuss all current drivers, but we have a couple in the mix today. Exactly. exactly. And so what we excluded here are uh, people who are now commenting races, drive, uh, racing in, in other leagues. So we really wanted to focus on people who did something completely different. And as we uh, did the preparation investigations, I think some examples have been quite uh, surprising to us. Yeah, I mean, I was actually, to me, I was actually surprised how many people do sustainable uh, sustainable business. Uh, and uh, there are quite a few. But I mean, there are also, there was some that were unsurprising, like luxury cars or luxury um airplanes right private airplanes we had <laughs> so let's have a look i mean yeah um, and uh, i uh, um, in the preparation uh, one driver especially surprised me and i will come to this when we come to this uh, person brilliant we start quite uh, back in time and uh, also um a uh, little bit as an insider information we always uh, plan to do one day uh, a holiday special season at the end of the year uh, around christmas and never worked out uh, because we are always quite busy at that time and uh, somebody we all uh, we would have included here is giancarlo baghetti because he had been uh, born on christmas day 1934 in uh, Milan, uh, Italy. Yeah, yeah, it was a very remarkable, very remarkable driver, right? And drove for a number of uh, uh, constructors. Well, back in the day, it was basically, uh, you know, still gentleman driving, right? So technically speaking, just kind of had <laughs> um, uh, cars from different constructors like Ferrari and uh, uh, ATS, uh, which is the, the Italian ATS, and uh, Braham and Lotus. So, yeah, really cool yes, guy. And, uh, yes, and ATS, uh, we discussed it uh, in our uh, episode about that year. Uh, we had, in the end of the 1960s, the big uh, workout of important engineers at Ferrari. Um, we, uh, and the two uh, drivers at that time, uh, Phil Hill and uh, Giancarlo Bacchetti, uh, they had better uh, relations with the people leaving the company than with the ones who stayed uh, uh, 
also uh, left Ferrari to join the new company uh, uh, RTS, which have been founded by the former uh, Ferrari employees. Unluckily uh, for them, a quite unsuccessful project just one year in uh, Formula One. And this, uh, uh, I think, uh, destroyed uh, his um, ambitions in uh, side Formula One because he had the opportunity to stay at Ferrari and he was uh, at that time a uh, real big uh, talent uh, but with joining the uh, rebels um, unfortunately he couldn't secure a good seat in Formula One uh, after so yeah, his just, big year, yes. yeah I just want to say that you know in uh, sports analytics I think actually you know he's basically yeah why he was uh, quite unique because there are very few drivers that uh, won the first race and uh, he actually won his first race which was really cool but I just think you know um, when we kind of uh, um, are talking about sports analytics we often discuss kind of s s skill versus luck and uh, you know some people are just really lucky and I think he got to some extent lucky with his yeah. first win and uh, yeah, so we shouldn't actually read too much into into it. I mean, of course, he was a talented driver, but at the same time, you know, there is also the luck component there. And um, um, in sports analytics, I guess the main thing is when we are considering uh, a performance of an athlete or a team, we're always trying to increase the factors that depend on skill and decrease the factors that depend on luck. And uh, yeah. in this case, we just have kind of too few observations to uh, to say whether it was it was luck or it was skill. Yeah, and uh, I think the Formula One drivers uh, are mostly success seekers, and this group of people they uh, uh, overfocus uh, the importance of their own skills in opposite that they just had uh, luck. These are normal people who uh, who look out for jobs like being uh, drivers uh, if we're speaking about companies mostly these are the people who would go to the sales department uh, in opposite to uh, the uh, miss uh, the um, uh, problem avoiders uh, who normally would go in a position like accounting or something uh, there they have probably more or less uh, the same day by day But you are right, uh, he was uh, winning his very first uh, uh, Grand Prix. In fact, in 1961, uh, he won three Grand Prix. Uh, uh, two had been non-official Formula One uh, races and just one had been the official one. And, uh, and that's why uh, Italian uh, press uh, called him uh, the phenomenon. And one famous quote uh, later in his life is, I should have retired at the end of 1961 then everyone would have remembered me as a phenomenon. And uh, to be fair, uh, besides luck or not luck, uh, the 1962 Ferrari car was really non-competitive. So uh, he had a bad 62, but uh, also the 62 uh, car he was driving had not been competitive at that uh, time. Yeah, that's right. And I think um, you probably wouldn't uh, wouldn't know um, Giancarlo Baghetti if you... Um we kind of living outside Italy, <laughs> but um, you uh, uh, definitely know his work. Uh, why that is? Because apart from becoming a journalist and a photographer and working with 
motor brands and uh, car brands and uh, fashion brands uh, in, in, in fashion. He also was a really brilliant marketer, right? And probably if you, uh, I mean, even I remember some of the promotional materials from, from Fiat, like promotional videos and all that. I mean, and he's actually the mastermind behind them. So he actually is kind of the father of uh, modern sort of uh, automotive advertisement, you can say, because back in the day, it wasn't really done. Um, uh, and uh, he had to basically, so these original ideas, they all came from him. And so now when you are watching a, a, a car advertisement, it's probably using some of the things that he, <laughs> that he came up with back in the day. Yeah. Right. So just uh, uh, remembering uh, his uh, career in Formula One, 1961, uh, starting with Ferrari, then he continued with Ferrari. Due to the workouts, he joined the rebel team, RTS, very unsuccessfully. Uh, but also his uh, colleague, uh, Phil Hill, who at least had been a Formula One champion with Ferrari, uh, also didn't really uh, had been much better. I think uh, also zero points for Phil Hill. Then changed uh, to BRM, but without uh, luck. And in the later years, uh, he had been like a guest uh, driver, 1965, 66, 67, uh, for the Italian uh, Grand Prix. At that time, uh, at some Grand Prix, the teams uh, invited some local driver to get more um, attention. And uh, here, important, in, uh, even if he joined the Rebel team um, in 1966, uh, Ferrari uh, gave him the opportunity to drive the Ferrari 246 for the uh, Italian Grand Prix Monza. Yeah, so I think he maintained uh, kind of good relationships, uh, never, never, despite the yeah, just despite the kind of the walkout, and uh, yeah, that's that's also kind of says a lot about his character. Yeah. Yes, and what you see here is uh, his uh, uh, the car which he drove in 1961. And also in 1962, practically without any changes, the famous uh, shark nose uh, Ferrari 156. For many people, one of the most uh, beautiful uh, cars uh, ever, but also unfortunately, uh, uh, other famous drivers, as uh, Graf Berge von Trip said, the fatal accident with that car. That's right. Okay, then we simply make a big jump uh, right into uh, 70s, 1980s. Yeah, and we discussed uh, this guy uh, in detail, Jody Schechter, yeah. um, from South Africa. Right. From Cape Town. Yeah. Yep. Uh, somebody also who changed uh, quite significantly in, uh, in Formula One. He started as a quite brutal driver. I mean, they even suspended him for some races uh, because of uh, causing accidents. But then uh, also, uh, I think, uh, with the experience uh, having uh, friends uh, died in the sport, he completely changed uh, his attitude and his uh, driving style. Yeah. Very successful, especially for the small uh, Vol uh, Walter Wolf racing team. That's why he gained the seat at uh, Ferrari, where he won the 1979 championship. 
Yeah, we also we have a special episode about Jodie Schechter, and we also have obviously discussed the 1979 uh, season. So please uh, find those episodes and have a look. And again, I just want to remind those of you who um, who just joined us that we this is a podcast. <laughs> it's not too meant to be a um a youtube video but we do show quite a lot of visual materials so that's why we invite you to join us on youtube or spotify and as usual we appreciate subscriptions and uh, likes and comments of course always uh, welcome and uh, yeah his uh, career 1972 until 90 80 starting at uh, McLaren, then joining Tyrell, Walter Wolf Racing, becoming champion 1979 Ferrari, and his last year also at Ferrari 1980, he retired uh, after a very uh, bad year, a completely non-competitive uh, Ferrari uh, 312 T5, and uh, he decided that's enough, uh, let's do something different. Right. And onto something completely different. So this is what Judy looks these days. <laughs> looks <Yeah>. like <laughs> in his retirement. Yeah, I mean, he, he looks uh, quite uh, happy uh, with his life, uh, if you would interpret this uh, smile here. And uh, a lot of green plants behind him. So he's one of the guys, as you mentioned in the beginning, who had been uh, investing... Uh, into sustainability. Yeah, that's right. So we, um, again, we've already discussed him separately, but yeah, he basically um, owns a sustainable farm, which is very um, uh, successful business as well. And that's actually very hard to do because it's, uh, you know, if you uh, into kind of sustainable ways of development, uh, of, of farming development, that actually costs <laughs> a lot before it uh, starts to provide profit, but he managed to to uh, to do it really well, and uh, it's a it's a reasonably old business, and it's still uh, going strong. Yeah. So you see here uh, some of the famous uh, products he's offering, and he can, you can check it out on the website. And let's see the produce about. I don't know if they also have a web shop, but if you're interested, uh, check out and maybe you can buy uh, these products yourself. Buffalo uh, mozzarella, buffalo lami, buffalo uh, milk ice cream, buffalo gouda. And I think uh, he also has a small winery. And speaking about uh, wine, we not included it into this um, episode today, but uh, there is a number of uh, drivers uh, who are also now uh, active in uh, uh, having a winery. For example, uh, Mario Andretti and uh, Jean Alessi. So just uh, to mention, even if we not uh, discuss it here in detail. Yeah, I was just uh, going to say that, uh, well, the, uh, the, hopefully the wine is not from Buffalo. But but uh, <laughs> but uh, joking aside, yeah, I mean uh, there are definitely a lot of really cool green products, uh, and uh, 
it is you know it is a difficult thing to to maintain a farm i can tell you this because um, in my current uh, university where i work a lot of people do sustainable agriculture and it's very difficult to make it profitable so yeah i mean big round of applause to to judy schecter who actually managed to pull it off Next, uh, next one in our list, uh, I think uh, he does not come as a big surprise as most uh, of us we know. He had been a famous Formula One champion, but also uh, most people know about uh, his airline. Yeah, so we and we discussed uh, Nicky Lauda separately. We have a separate episode on him and we discussed his uh, post Formula One career. And of course, uh, to many of you, he is uh, known as someone who commented uh, a lot on Formula One, and especially um, if you um, are if you are a frequent viewer of the German coverage of Formula One on RTL or uh, you know other channels. Uh, so he would normally be present there and comment on races. Um, um, all the way up until his death in 2019. Yeah, and uh, also practically until uh, the end, uh, until his death, he had been active in the management, first at uh, Ferrari, then uh, at the uh, Mercedes-Benz Formula One team. And I think he was one of the uh, people there uh, who had been responsible bringing Lewis Hamilton to Mercedes. So he was also a quite uh, good uh, manager. Yeah, and uh, obviously, the you know, this, as a consultant, as advisor, he's very, very accomplished. And uh, well, he's a three, three-time world champion <laughs> in Formula One. <laughs> Let's not forget about that. Yes, um, but 1975, 77, and uh, 84. First two times with the Ferrari, and 84 with the uh, McLaren. Yeah. Coming to the topic uh, of our episode uh, today, uh, he became uh, interested already um, as he was still with Ferrari as a driver uh, with aviation. I mean, if you saw the uh, Rush movie, for example, you know he had uh, quite early his uh, his uh, private uh, jet uh, uh, where he uh, was also uh, flying uh, himself as the pilot. And this also maybe had been aligned with his uh, character, not being a very emotional driver, always at the limit, but also always a little bit more controlled, not completely 100% at the limit, but uh, sufficiently uh, enough to uh, win uh, the championship. That's right. So he also owned not just one uh, airline, but three. <laughs> well, I mean, the kind of he was rebranding them, right? So um lauda air nikki and lauda and that got sold to um swiss air wasn't it i think no it was uh, not uh, air berlin air berlin yeah yeah air berlin correct sorry i always mix uh, mix up apologies to swiss air and air berlin <laughs> uh, but i i definitely flew air berlin quite a lot i have to say when i was in, uh, was living in germany and um, yeah, and also flew Swiss Air when it was uh, still uh, alive, uh, because then uh, I guess it got taken over by Lufthansa, right? And uh, I don't know now, does it exist as a separate? Uh, yeah, pardon me, my, I'm not uh, very knowledgeable about uh, 
uh, air, air uh, aviation companies, but I believe that they were, even if they run as a separate brand, that's basically Lufthansa, I, I think. And tell, yeah, tell me if I'm wrong. Like tell me if I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. So please write on the write us some comments on this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was really uh, highly involved. Uh, Bombardier, uh, one of the manufacturers. Uh, he had been here, the brand uh, ambassador. Uh, but also, uh, he still uh, had been um, involved into uh, Formula One again. Uh, 2001, he had been uh, the team principal for the Jaguar Formula One team, maybe not uh, his most uh, successful uh, uh, part of in his uh, curriculum, because you may say that uh, the team was uh, not really successful. Yeah, and meanwhile, I, I found the information about Swiss Air. It's, it is a, a separate brand, but it is a part of Lufthansa Group. So yeah, <laughs> good. Well, the cool I mean, thing about would... the cool thing about flying Swiss Air is they always give you chocolate when you when you're on board. <laughs> yeah, cool. but uh, but to be fair, uh, and you may remember this, in Air Berlin, you always receive the chocolate heart uh, when you are uh, oh, really? leaving. Okay. Yeah, I forgot uh, about that, but yeah, cool. <laughs> oh, one one, yeah. it's chocolate. That's uh, okay. Uh, uh, and we uh, already discussed it. He was uh, very uh, well known uh, doing the commentaries after the Formula One races uh, at RTL, uh, who showed the races uh, live in German TV. Uh, always great to listen to him because uh, he was always very direct person, thinking, uh, saying what he was thinking, uh, uh, which sometimes brought him a little bit into trouble. Uh, but I mean, always very honest uh, analysis of the race, analysis of the drivers. Yeah, I mean, I really like to watch. I mean, I specifically was constantly looking for Artel <laughs> because um, he would give a very uh, nice technical uh, commentary. Uh, obviously, because of his, uh, he's very knowledgeable about you know engineering and mechanics and. Uh, yeah, he would actually explain a lot like um, about the advantages of different makes, uh, which was really cool to watch. And uh, I don't think we have that type of quality of uh, comments anymore because, I mean, there are obviously former drivers who are doing the commentary, but uh, not at his level, not, not at his level of technical detail, which is always, which was always very, very professional and very, you know, interesting. Yeah, I completely agree about uh, that. Uh, okay, and uh, so uh, and, um, Mercedes said the Formula One team, he not only had been a consultant, but uh, he was one of the co-owners uh, owning 10%, and he was one doing the negotiations with um, Lewis Hamilton, which uh, we all remember was a quite good uh, idea to sign. Next one, uh, the, the man who started, uh, who caused this episode, because I remember as we spoke about Carlos Reutemann, we discussed, we wanted to do an episode analyzing a little bit the drivers who did something completely different after finishing uh, their uh, career. Carlos yeah. Alberto, 
Yeah, and so I just want to say, I'm not going to say what career, but this guy had an amazing career after Formula One. Probably the most, right. one of the most surprising careers. Yeah. Right. Uh, and I mean, he was very, well, uh, he was a very charismatic driver, which uh, of course helped him for this later career. Um, and um, one of the drivers who had been close winning a championship. Uh, but, uh, well, never completely made it, but 146 entries for teams like Brabham, Ferrari, Lotus, Williams, and uh, 12 uh, victories. So you see here uh, his uh, career starting 1972 until 85. And uh, again, he had been uh, very close, 81, uh, second, and... Uh, and I mean, it is just a speculation and we did it uh, as we spoke about him. Uh, if he would not have decided early uh, in 82 to leave Williams, I think in his second race, I think uh, he had a good opportunity to winning that year, the championship due to all the uh, uh, sad uh, happenings around the 82 championship. That's right. But um, when he exited... <laughs> <laughs> Let's see, where did he go? Yes, yeah. he went into politics and he right. became the governor of Santa Fe. Exactly, uh, twice from 1991 until 1995 and then later again 1992 until 2003. So quite long uh, in responsible uh, positions in Argentina. This uh, impo important here also to consider uh, Argentina already at that time uh, had been in quite difficult uh, political um, sit uh, situation. I remember uh, a high number of different presidents uh, which have been re-elected after on only months. Um, so it was been quite unstable from a political point at that time. So he was uh, quite uh, the opposite, a stable factor in the uh, province of uh, Santa Fe. And uh, due to this, uh, Santa Fe um, uh, had been a little bit different than the rest of the countries and uh, he could manage to keep it that way. So Santa Fe as a region was not that highly affected to the economic crisis, um, if I'm correct. And I could be correct because I'm not that uh, in politics in uh, Argentina. Yeah, I just want to say if you if you're listening to us and you are from Argentina and you happen to know more about uh, um, uh, about Carlos Reutemann as a politician, please tell us because obviously we can only uh, you know we can, we we only know what is out there in the public domain, which could be quite complimentary. So um, I mean, he seemed to seem to have been a decent governor. Uh, from sort of the results and from the fact that he was re-elected is probably also a factor. Uh, but yeah, do tell us if, uh, you know, we are, uh, we are misinterpreting this or maybe you know some something in interesting about his career that we, we're not capturing here. Yeah, I, I mean, in general, and this is valid for the whole America's politics, it's a very difficult t uh, topic. So I'm uh, I'm completely aware that a lot of people have a completely uh, different uh, opinion about uh, Carlos Reutemann as a politician. Polit politician, sorry. But anyway, I think uh, at least for his supporters, uh, he did a very good job. And 
I think uh, at some point uh, he also um, had been asked uh, or suggested uh, becoming a candidate for the president uh, of uh, Argentina, but uh, he never went that way, but stayed uh, in the state of uh, Santa Fe. Is this, uh, we stay uh, in South America and going uh, to uh, Brazil, uh, Nelson Piquet. Nelson Piquet, um, yeah, so also a legendary driver, three-time yeah. world champion. Yeah, yeah, extraordinary, extraordinary career with, again, many, career. many different teams, right? Right, and uh, a little bit of similarity to uh, Carlos uh, Reutemann, also an, a, a character, and um, I think uh, soon we will do a special episode about him. Uh, this is, uh, uh, has some controversies uh, related to his political position, to say it uh, that way. Uh, but anyway, uh, an exceptional uh, driver, 23 victories in 207 races, so he really had been uh, driving uh, a long, long time, and we will see this on the next uh, page, which led to three uh, championships. One in 81, 83, and 1987. And uh, I remember especially his uh, last uh, two years at Benetton, as he did something which a lot of people considered uh, completely uh, crazy. I think uh, he went there with a very low uh, salary or practically with no fixed uh, salary, just getting a lot of money if he would uh, score points. And surprisingly, uh, even surprisingly for Benetton, I think uh, he became third in the first year. So he had been quite uh, expensive uh, for the team. Uh, also in the second year, uh, but then uh, he, uh, he started... Um, declined a little bit as uh, his new partner had been uh, Michael Schumacher. And we know uh, where this uh, went with Benetton. Yes, that's right. Okay, so let's see. What about uh, Nelson Piquet related uh, business? Oh, that's Nelson Piquet. Yep, that's Nelson Piquet. And his post-career he has been a, a relevant uh, shareholder of a Brazilian company called uh, Autotrack. It's a company which uh, helps, um, which uh, includes some kind of uh, telemetry and uh, tracking system, so which enables you uh, to track uh, your car, which especially in Latin America, and I remember this from uh, living in Mexico, a topic, as you may have uh, something like this in your uh, personal car, as the chance that somebody will steal your car at one point is uh, in time is quite high. And having something like this uh, inside the car may help you to find it later. And also it helps you a little bit to keep uh, the costs of your car insurance down. Yes, brilliant. Yeah. And uh, I don't know how the company is, is doing as uh, the technology uh, becomes uh, cheaper. I mean, uh, you know, the Apple uh, with, uh, discs, uh, which you can put on your chain or mm -hmm. on your dog. So where, uh, especially if your dog escaped, so you know where he or she went. So 
I don't know if this new de development affected them, uh, yes uh, or no. But anyway, if you're interested, you see here the link, just uh, go there and take a look uh, yourself. And with this, we come uh, to Terry Bautzen, which you already mentioned. Yeah, and this is, I mean, I do remember him as a Benetton driver prim primarily. And yeah, this is a, it's a, it's a, a Belgian a driver. And uh, to be honest, uh, I mean, we probably all not so much remember him as a driver, but uh, if you happen to be in Monaco every time you, when you read a business magazine, his face will be there and normally yeah. sitting on a plane. <laughs> Not just the face, but uh, Thierry is sitting on a plane, but, you know, his face would be in the magazine. Yeah. Yep. I mean, he was uh, one of the uh, drivers who had been very fast, but uh, never been completely uh, on the uh, level uh, to win races. Maybe not based on, on talent, but also uh, not being in the right car at the right uh, time. So he had uh, three victories in 164 um, races, good teams, Eros, Benetton, Williams, uh, Vichy, and uh, at last, uh, Jordan. So you, you see uh, here uh, one of the earlier Benettons with uh, this uh, very rainbow-like uh, design, all colors, blue, red, yellow, green. Yeah, yeah. united colors of Benetton in one car. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's why this this was the claim, and I I, I think it's still the uh, better claim today. Yeah, I think I think it's uh, it is still what they they're yeah. using. And also, uh, if you're interested in buying a plane, www.bautzen.com uh, uh, is the place uh, for use. Yes. So here you can your personal or uh, business uh, plane. Uh, so everything from uh, this small uh, Cessna, Cessnas uh, until a bigger um, Airbus. Yeah, and um, you know this is not an uh, uh, this is not an advert for not paid by <laughs> by, by Thierry, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean uh, you know he but, but uh, is he's watching. Uh, of course, we we would accept. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, so anyway. Uh, yeah, what I wanted to say that yes, he's in business of uh, selling private uh, corporate aircraft. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's a, it's a successful business. I mean, he's worth quite a lot, <laughs> quite a lot of money. Um, but uh, besides this, I mean, he always uh, kept his uh, relations uh, with uh, racing, had been active in uh, the sports cars, 24 hours of uh, Le Mans and test with his brother-in-law, uh, also a racing team in the uh, Le Mans series. And besides in other smaller uh, categories too. This from Thierry, we come to Paolo. And uh, this is, I think, a little bit a different uh, topic because if you see uh, his uh, name, Paolo Parilla, uh, you may uh, think uh, where he is uh, coming from. As Barilla Pasta, I think you find all over the world as uh, I think uh, the most famous 
Pasta Brand. That's right. So he, so he is uh, uh, from this famous uh, Barilla uh, family, and uh, uh, and uh, I think uh, thanks to this uh, money uh, he made it into uh, Formula uh, One, as he was clearly uh, paid uh, drivers. I mean, I, and with this, I not want to say that he was not uh, talented. Uh, uh, but maybe not on the same level as uh, somebody as Reutemann, Niki Lauda, or uh, Thierry Bautzen. Yeah, so, I mean, I mean, but at the same time, he just always looked good. <laughs> He's just like one of the most handsome drivers ever. Um, and uh, you will also see him now in kind of an older age, and he still, he still looks good. <laughs> yes. Uh, and... Uh, Especially, uh, and uh, not, uh, not uh, to take anything away from that, uh, it also helps uh, to understand that he's now the deputy chairman of the Barrier Group uh, company, which has a net worth of 1.1 billion US dollar. And so pasta, I mean, the typical uh, Italian uh, uh, product, uh, so place of birth, uh, Milan, Italy, and he had been also driver for a 100% Italian team, Minardi, uh, where he had 15 entries. Yeah, so, and uh, obviously we all, uh, well, well, if you remember him, you would remember him in Minardi. Um, yeah. And uh, he, he, got a, he got an opportunity because someone, someone left, right? Uh, 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 yes, Pierluigi Martini. Yeah. And uh, Pierluigi Martini is not from the Martini family. Yes, if that's right. A, and honestly, I don't think there's a Martini family doing the Martinis. Mm -hmm. But this would be then the topic for another episode. <laughs> In search of Martini family, <laughs> who actually are related yes. to Martini, for <laughs> Martini production. Yeah, that's right. Anyway, I mean, um, you know, he, um, I think uh, he was actually very uh, good driver, but uh, the car wasn't, obviously, we, we discussed Minardi team, and Minardi team is really great to grow talent, but I think the yes. car wasn't there, and I think... Uh, you know, for him, it probably, you know, like when, while other people probably, you know, just, just had Formula One at the time, I mean, he always had things to do, <laughs> right. Um, uh, right, and, uh, you know, it's kind of this opportunity cost when you're thinking, okay, will I drive for another year, or maybe I can just, uh, you know, go into, into business and uh, be useful right. in, in a different way. And I mean, I can relate to that. I understand, uh, you know, the challenge. And I think, uh, um, I mean, I can't say that, uh, you know, he maybe if he stayed, he would have been, uh, you know, he, he would have succeeded. But, um, you know, it's just I don't think he was uh, uh, he wasn't ever under pressure to <laughs> to remain in Formula One. He could do other things. Right, uh, but let's say besides uh, his background, he has a very traditional uh, career. Started uh, winning the Italian uh, kart uh, champ um, uh, championship in 1975. Mm -hmm. Then he went to the uh, local uh, Fiat Abarth uh, series, moved up to Formula Three. Then he had uh, victories and uh, finished third in the Italian uh, championship. 
Uh, then also he had been uh, successful in 1985 uh, at the... Uh, 24 hours of uh, Le Mans with the Joost uh, uh, Racing Porsche 956. So he, uh, he has been talented. It's not that he only because of money uh, made it into Formula One. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I agree. I, I remember him uh, from uh, from another team. And like I said, I mean, you know, he was very handsome and, uh, you know, definitely a talented guy. Um, and, um, yeah, it's a little bit a shame that he, uh, he it was a very brief career in Formula One. Right. And uh, speaking about the brief career in 1991, uh, 2000, uh, both uh, times with the Minaldi Ford team. Yeah. And uh, really, I mean, there is no, it's not really his fault because it's, uh, I mean, you know, you, you when you're not in a competitive car, there's not much you can do, even if you have very good drivers. Exactly. But, uh, and I'm sure it's, at some point we will do a special episode about Minaldi. They really uh, had been the first uh, point of entry for a various talented driver like Alessandro Nanini and I think the most famous one, um, Fernando Alonso. Well, here we go. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And uh, so this is uh, him today, and I think it's from the official uh, uh, press uh, photo from uh, Parilla. He had been uh, the CEO from 1999 uh, uh, to 2000, uh, and he's uh, also the president of the industrial associations. And uh, so, uh, and uh, and again, Barilla is uh, the leading brand in pasta, so no surprise that he's also the elected president of the International Pasta Organization, IPO, in 2016, chairman of the Italian Food Association, um, and committed to protecting the industry nationally and uh, internationally. So uh, he seems that he's a quite uh, integrated uh, part of the uh, Barilla uh, family. Uh, and uh, in, the in the forefront uh, uh, of supporting uh, not only pasta, but I think the uh, well-known traditional um, Italian cuisine. And uh, notice uh, still looking great on <laughs> the picture. <laughs> All right, here we go. Okay, nothing uh, to add uh, to this. Uh, and we're uh, coming to Pedro Paulo Fajeros dos Santos Diniz. Uh, Pedro Diniz. Yeah. <laughs> also known as Pedro Diniz. And uh, I think a little bit uh, similar uh, here because also he uh, is from a very uh, famous uh, family uh, related uh, from the food sector in Brazil. Uh, here we are speaking about the owners of the uh, Pau de Azuca supermarkets, which you find all over in uh, Brazil and maybe also in some other um, South American countries, if I am um, correct. And uh, also this family had a, a, um, a very close relation with the Italian, uh, Oli, not, sorry, not Olivetti, uh, Parmalat uh, company. And uh, due to this, uh, he uh, aimed a sponsorship from Parmalat and of course, Parmenat had been selling their dairy products in the Pau Azuka uh, supermarkets. Uh, maybe also a, a great topic for one episode. 
Um, okay, so Bus, uh, 1917, Sao Paulo, Brazilian NT, uh, went to 40, Vichy, Eros, and Sauber. And I think uh, also for him is valid. Of course, he made it uh, into Formula One uh, via uh, classical racing, Formula Four championship, British Formula Three championship, which I think is the strongest uh, F3 series worldwide. And from there, he went uh, to this uh, 40 team and stayed in in the uh, smaller uh, teams. So also here, uh, yes, on the one hand, uh, you had uh, money, but also I think he uh, had a certain level of uh, talent. So it was not unsatisfied uh, uh, that uh, he went there. So he had a reason to be in Formula One. Yeah, I mean, and also the longevity. I mean, he the, he made ninety ninety eight, almost one hundred entries. Uh, so, which is uh, a good run. Exactly. I mean, I mean, uh, without talent and just with money, you don't stay uh, for nearly hundred races in Formula One. And uh, here you see him, uh, uh, nineteen ninety five, starting with. Uh, Ford, then Niji, Errors, Errors, and at the end, uh, Sauber, Petronas, and uh, always uh, with, together with his uh, personal sponsor, Parmelat. And the same with uh, Baria, also he, he's, he returned practically uh, to his family business, not directly becoming the CEO, but he discovered, uh, similar to Jody Chapter, uh, his uh, purpose in sustainable uh, agriculture. He has uh, his uh, farm around 200 kilometers away from uh, Sao Paulo. And uh, here they are testing sustainable uh, agricultures and uh, this is uh, something um, which is known as the Toka Organic Farm, which you also can find on the internet if you are interested in Pedro uh, Denise and his actual uh, business. Yes, and um, I mean, definitely, uh, uh, I mean, this is kind of what surprised me that quite a few drivers went into kind of sustainability. Um, yeah. I mean, and, and that's quite, uh, again, that's, that's just quite difficult uh, business to manage. Because, yeah. you know, if you're just uh, kind of selling something, that's a lot easier <laughs> than, than growing, you know, and, and uh, um, sustaining a, uh, a farm, a, a farm that is sort of done with of, I, I, with with this level of uh, attention and ethics, yeah, yeah correct. And, uh, but on the other hand, it it um, would be sort of different than with Joey Chapter as Pedro uh, Denis uh, at least has this family background, so he had the resources, uh, also the uh, inside the company, um, which are skilled in sustainability, uh, okay. which support this. So again, yeah. if you are interested, um, you can go to this website and it's in Portuguese, but it also has an English um, version. Yeah, and uh, if you, uh, obviously, many of you know that the, that the Brazil uh, suffers from deforestation. 
and uh, I mean this this um, this business talk uh, they also invest into uh, kind of redevelopment of forestry and uh, it's all uh, you know really uh, um, uh, tackling the climate change problems in Brazil not just uh, you know sustainable farming and uh, um, doing business that way, but they also do a, um, a fair amount of charity and uh, um, really invest into these uh, sustainable futures uh, in terms of, you know, greenery and uh, anti-climate change um, initiatives. Right. It's not only a farm, but as you see on, on this slide, it also includes an institute. So where really people uh thinking about uh, this uh, topic and i think they're also in contact with universities so it's also a think tank uh, regarding uh, how to attack climate change and from paulo uh, we come to eddie and uh, as i've mentioned at the beginning there's one person who surprised me and honestly i would never have thought uh, to find eddie irvine in this episode because i remember him uh, he was always always in the press uh, uh, practically as the uh, last uh, playboy in uh, formula one practically at each uh, weekend with a different uh, model uh, so he would have never thought that he's uh, <laughs> not much has changed <laughs> i want to say <laughs> He's like the Donald Trump uh, of uh, the Formula One, apart, apart from perhaps he, uh, um, well, he looks better, obviously. I mean, not, no, uh, no disrespect uh, to Eddie Irvin, but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, but, but technically speaking, that's, <laughs> that's, it, that's what it is. I mean, very similar business <laughs> and attitude. Yeah, uh, yeah but I, I, I have, uh, of course, to comment here before we get, before we get any um, uh, hundreds of comments uh, on, on the video. Uh, Eddie Irvine, uh, he, is, he is also an Instagram channel, so he is very outspoken against uh, Trump on his Instagram channel. No, no, I, I don't mean that he, uh, yeah, yeah let, let me rephrase that. It's not, uh, I don't mean that they're the same, don't get me wrong, uh, or politically the same. I'm just saying, well, it's kind of like this real estate type of kind of family. And uh, here we have kind of also the same, uh, uh, the, this uh, also the, um, uh, like you said, I mean, uh, being a playboy and uh, having kind of different models every day, <laughs> so, <laughs> I can see some similarities. <laughs> yeah, but let's say uh, Irvine also, I remember he had been reported being uh, drunk in uh, pubs, uh, so here you uh, already see uh, a little bit the difference. So anyway, uh, yeah. Irvine uh, had been uh, my surprise to find him in this um, episode. Yeah, I mean, and uh, yeah, like I said, he runs a very uh, successful real estate yeah. company. Um, he's worth uh, a lot of money. Uh, I'm not sure exactly how much, but uh, maybe we have it on the slide. <laughs> if you have it here, but anyway, just to uh, resume, uh, born in 1975 in Newtown, that's county town in Northern Ireland, so he's British. Uh, he started uh, Jordan, of course, uh, famously had been uh, the second driver beside Michael Schumacher for many, many years at uh, Ferrari and then uh, finished his career 
at uh, Jaguar, which already mentioned with Nikki Lauda, that wasn't that competitive at that time. Nevertheless, 148 entries and uh, four uh, victories, which you can see here in uh, detail. That's right. He even was second in 1999. So, yeah, I mean, he's, he's a very talented driver. Um, and yeah, I mean, you, I, that's what I mean. Look, the Playboy style didn't go any, anywhere. Else. It's just kind of still the same. That's right. So nevertheless, it was uh, quite uh, uh, surprising for me uh, to find out that he was already a millionaire uh, through property investment even before he joined uh, Formula One. That's so he right. has a multi-million pound property portfolio with around 40 properties worldwide, listed as the fifth richest person in Northern Ireland in, back in 2006. And uh, that time his personal fortune was estimated to be approximately 160 million uh, pounds and uh, so he has a real estate but also he owned at some point uh, sports bars uh, offering snooker pool card racing paintball yeah uh, everything that the company's luxury luxury property investment <laughs> I'm. Uh, I mean, I'm sure that there is probably golf club some somewhere in that portfolio. Uh. Yeah, but, but on the other hand, if you see snooker uh, or pool karting, so it's not. Uh, it, it's for everybody. It's not only uh, for the rich, but let's say for the medium, even the lower classes. Well, I don't know. Probably karting, karting is not something that uh, average person can afford. But look, I mean, I think he's a very successful businessman and definitely, um, yeah. you know, we can say un un unlike Trump, he actually increased the fortune. Uh, over the years and, uh, yeah, and uh, but yeah i mean uh, considering this kind of this rock and roll personality i think he kind of consistent stayed consistently the same over the years yeah. uh, yes uh, with rock and roll uh, you uh, you have a great uh, point coming to the next one and honestly uh, this also was uh, came by surprise as i had known this uh, we are speaking about uh, Jack uh, Villeneuve, uh, uh, another uh, champion with 11 victories, active for Williams, British-American racing, uh, Renault, and uh, finished his career at uh, Sauber. Yeah, yeah, Jack, Jack Villeneuve, I mean, also the legendary driver, but uh, he was a, a son of Gilles Villeneuve about yeah. whom we recently talked when we discussed the 1980s. Yeah, yeah he had, uh, I think, uh, his driving style, uh, but in opposite to, uh, to Jill Villeneuve, who was very easygoing, uh, Jack Villeneuve also always, uh, I mean, yeah, it's also easygoing, but also known always as a rebel, sometimes uh, uh, putting on very direct comments, which not are always appreciated by everybody. I think this is why people uh, like Jack Villeneuve, and he had a quite long career. Not yeah, and uh, was a big star at Williams' team, and this is probably how many people remember Williams uh, by this 1997 win by Jack Villeneuve. Yeah, 
And uh, a little bit of similarity to uh, Emerson Fittipaldi. I mean, he had been involved in the management of uh, British American uh, racing. And uh, so they practically was uh, like a, a co-founder. And uh, this project uh, really... Uh, Killed his career. Yeah. <laughs> Very <Pretty Yeah>. much. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Uh, uh, anyway, uh, the reason why uh, we include him uh, here, and this is was uh, uh, the second time that I found out something new in the uh, investigation, he did an album, but also here we have to say it was lacking a bigger success. Uh, it only sold 233 times in Quebec and uh, in all North America, 836. And if you maybe search around a little bit on YouTube, you may find some videos and may understand uh, why it didn't have bigger success, to say that way. I mean, uh, uh, it's even, even one of the albums which are not even on Spotify. So you can see here on the screen, it is on Spotify listed, but you cannot uh, play it as for some reason they don't have the rights or whatever. Yeah, because it's an independent. I mean, uh, it, if you um, obviously if you with a larger company like um, GM or um, Sony or you know uh, so, so someone else, then obviously you would be you know everywhere. But uh, here, if he did uh, a private album, then that means that um, it can only be uh, accessible by Spotify if he puts it there. And if he didn't, then it's just not gonna be there. Right, so uh, speaking about publishing independent albums on Spotify, uh, Spotify normally makes it very easy to you. So if you have the rights to your songs, you can directly or via third party. Uh, yeah, but maybe he doesn't want to do it. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe he has good reasons not to do it, to be honest. I mean, uh, you know, you uh, uh, there are artists who don't want to be, you know, to be much in the public eye, so they do some kind of, I don't know, private exhibit, and then that's it, you know. It's, um, you know, he doesn't have to, he doesn't have to, right? <laughs> I mean, uh, but uh, normally Jack Benef was not really the person who wanted to shy away from the public eye. But anyway, if you're interested, if you are searching a little bit on YouTube, I think you can find some videos. Yeah, but look, I mean, that could be different, right? So he might be not, he might not be shy when it, we're talking about driving, but uh, you know, in, in, in maybe with singing, he has a lot less confidence. And considering yeah. that this album had negative reviews, it probably yeah. kills your confidence even more. And sometimes I wish critics were more sort of forgiving, especially considering that this is the first album. And yeah, uh, yeah so you, you never know. Maybe, you know. maybe he thought, oh, maybe I shouldn't do it again. And uh, that's not necessarily yeah. the right thing. Maybe you just need to keep trying, right? Yeah. I mean, definitely, uh, he decided up to today not to do, do it again because it stayed his uh, only album, due to my knowledge. And I mean, judge yourself. You you can find it uh, if you search a little bit on YouTube. And uh, this uh, Jack, we're coming to somebody who is still active, 
Uh, nevertheless, we include. Because... <laughs> yeah, when uh, I have to say, when um, so Patrick usually drafts uh, all the kind of material for 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 the for the episodes, and when I saw this picture, I thought, hmm, did he retire? <laughs> so I thought, wow, that's so. I went immediately, like I searched, <laughs> maybe I missed something. But yeah, oh. we're talking about Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> The reason why I uh, suggested him to include this because uh, I think all of us, we can imagine uh, him uh, that after fin uh, leaving Formula One, he could uh, perfectly do something completely different because he already rap. is doing My bet is rap. <laughs> so... Yeah, I mean, rap or uh, fashion, I mean, he's already quite active uh, with uh, his uh, clothes. And I mean, uh, you always see it uh, the Fridays when he comes first uh, uh, to uh, uh, to the race track, uh, having some quite a fancy uh, clothes. Yeah, uh, but so... I mean, um, I'm sometimes, you know, like, um, not, kind of not disrespect to Lewis Hamilton, but um, when he talks, he always talks about, you know, the car is doing well and all that type of stuff. And then he dates these really uh, amazing women. Like um, he had, uh, you know, he dated several pop singers, right? He dated, uh, I, I think, beauty queens and models and all that. And I just don't know, like, what do they have in common to talk about? Because like, it's like... <laughs> Um, he doesn't, I mean, I'm sure that he's a, he's a great professional, but um, it just doesn't seem, strike me as a very interesting person in like kind of private life. But um, maybe I'm wrong. Like, um, I just, I, I just see him on TV, so I don't know. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, but in, in terms of business, yeah, he does a lot. I mean, he has a lot of things. Yes. <clears throat> and, uh... And I mean, we don't know when he will retire. Uh, I mean, we are just uh, 2023. Um, well, we know, we know, because I think he's just trying to oh. surpass the Mike Michael Schumacher's, uh, you know, seven seven championship wins. So I think when he wins the eighth championship, he will retire. That's my bet. Yeah. You know, I, I just wanted to mention we are shortly before the uh, Monaco uh, Grand Prix and the big uh, rumor this week uh, had been um, that Lewis Hamilton had an offer from uh, Ferrari. So I was not completely following. So I don't know what is the latest status on that rumor. I personally cannot uh, imagine that he would uh, switch uh, from, uh, to, from Mercedes because he's uh, so much uh, involved into Mercedes. But I mean, you never know. I think uh, anything is possible. Well, right. I mean, if you're Ferrari, you definitely want to hire him, I guess. But um, yeah. we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. yeah I mean, the Mercedes uh, is up to today quite struggling in the first part of 2023. So you never know. But you see, he started 2007 and 2023. Uh, all these years, uh, he had been powered by Mercedes. So he's really... Uh, a Mercedes person, so I cannot see him, uh, let's say, in his later uh, part of career switching ex so extremely going from Mercedes after that many years to uh, Ferrari. But anyway, we will see. We will see. Okay.
So, uh, you see, uh, outside uh, Formula One, he is quite uh, um, active uh, and uh, also related to music uh, up, uh, as he performed under the pseudonym or XNDA. Uh, I'm sure this stands for something, but I have no clue what. Uh, so he participated at Christina Aguilera's song 2018 uh, Pipe, which uh, we also included in our data-driven uh, mixtape. Look for mm -hmm. it on uh, Spotify. He had been executed uh, producer of the 2018 documentary Game Changers, presenting plant-based uh, eating for athletes. And uh, due to my best knowledge, he is a vegan. And I think the maybe the only of the actual Formula One drivers who is vegan. And so, and I mean, uh, this is uh, continuous uh, good results uh, is a good example that you uh, can also based on a vegan um, diet uh, perform uh, on highest levels. Uh, famously, he had been offered a, a part in the Top Gun movie Maverick, but he had declined due to his uh, commitment. And if you can believe uh, the Netflix series Drive to Survive, uh, something which we regretted because that season was anyway not good. So he could have skipped some races and uh, be a part of that uh, quite successful movie. Okay, I found what XNDA means. <laughs> yes. and, uh, okay, I just want to apologize to everyone who is watching, but this is what it means. And I can't, you know, it means uh, xylophone, nigga, dick ass. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> Interesting. So, so, uh, yeah. uh, so it's just yes. a so it's just a good uh, name for a rapper, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I mean, this is something um, uh, also uh, worth mentioning. He is uh, quite uh, politically active, especially supporting uh, the uh, Black Lives Matters movement. That's right, but at the same time, he uh, was also supporting and giving positive commentary about certain countries that have death penalty and uh, human rights uh, uh, abuse going on. So, yeah, I mean, he's quite a controversial. I mean, I'm looking forward when we're going to actually talk about him. Um, so um, he's not that smooth at all. And um, um, yeah, I, I don't like you know i uh, my apologies to all uh, fans i know that he has a big fan base uh, but at the same time you know there are very interesting things about him and not just positive but, things but, i mean uh, i mean it's quite difficult i mean in general for uh, formula one drivers as we see uh, the 2023 agenda and the same is all the agendas i mean we have this practically since the beginning of formula one there have been always races in countries with dictators, uh, with apartheid, and uh, no, no, no. But it's one blood. thing. No, it's one thing to just race there, and it's a different thing to go into the media and say good things, right? Um, yeah. So I mean, I'm just, I'm uh, again not disrespected. Don't get me wrong. Not disrespected. Lewis Hamilton. He, I mean, he definitely deserves respect for his achievement in sport. But I'm just saying that some things are quite controversial, right? Yes. And, um, I mean, Lewis Hamilton is a person with many, many fans and also a bigger number of uh, haters. But I mean, honestly, 
in social media today, this is the case, I think, with all drivers, especially if you're successful. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm I'm not a hater of Lewis Hamilton. I just, you know, I'm just saying, uh, like, uh, he's not, uh, he's not, not all peaches and cream. So no. <laughs> that's something to keep in mind. <laughs> exactly. But I mean, if you analyze, uh, I mean, uh, I think we can say this practically for most of the uh, famous drivers. But anyway, but, you know, I was, uh, I was honestly, uh, I was a, a big fan of him, uh, like when he started in 2007, I remember I really supported him uh, and even went to races and supported him like in person. But um, yeah, my opinion changed over the years, I have to say, but we'll talk about it when we get to him, uh, you know, in, in, uh, in the special. Um, and, you know, I totally understand uh, that he deserves uh, support for his achievement and support. No doubt about that. I'm just saying, no. um, like, as a per and it kind of comes to this fact that, you know, should we really get close to people who are good at, you know, at what they do, right? And, uh, um, you know, it's um, for 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 a person like that, I guess it's very easy to be quoted out of context. So, I mean, I don't know, but I'm I'm just saying, like my opinion about him kind of changed over over the years. Yeah. Okay, now we are all curious about this episode. <laughs> but continue. Yeah. Uh, Maybe one and a half people are curious about what happened, but but I will talk about it when we get to to um to Lewis Hamilton special. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Yeah. <laughs> that's coming. That's not gonna come very soon. That's for sure. Right, uh, and. Uh, uh, let's come back to our list uh, again. He launched his all uh, his uh, closing line, uh, uh, Tommy X Lewis, which I think he promotes not only at the New York Fashion Week but also with uh, using his own uh, clothes uh, when coming uh, to the uh, Grand Prix, which are clothes which um, uh, I think not uh, designed for everybody, as they are quite extravagant. Uh, if you may say so, and. Uh, Aligned uh, with his vegan um, diet, uh, he also launched a vegan restaurant, Neat Burger, and he joined. Uh, and he is a joint owner of the National Football League's Denver Broncos here in the U.S. And I'm just thinking, was he also somebody discussing becoming a co-owner of a football team in the U.K.? I, I'm not completely sure if I don't mix him up here. Of it was really just the Denver Broncos. Anyway, he's doing thousands of things, so it's practically quite surprising that he's still a quite uh, successful driver, because this should uh, take a lot of time normally for a person. But he, so far, he managed. He's still driving on the highest levels. No, I think uh, just uh, there's a good um, a good group of advisors probably advising him on where to invest. And uh, yeah, it's just a matter of, I guess, also quality of advice that he gets about investment and philanthropic activity and other things, which is great. You know, I mean, it's great to have diverse interests. So be proud of close cool. to him for Completely that. Agreed. Completely agreed. And then uh, from... Uh... Louis Hamilton, not far. Uh, uh, Nico uh, Rosberg, the only person who bet him 
on the same car as he became the champion. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe you you saw our last episode on Keke Rosberg. Of course, he's the uh, son, so a German-Finnish driver. Also, mostly successful with Mercedes engines or only with Mercedes engines. Two hundred six entries, twenty-three victories, many many seasons near beating um, uh, Lewis Hamilton, but. Uh, in his last uh, race, uh, in his last year, he finished this task and after this directly retired. Yeah. And I mean, that probably is a good thing to do. <laughs> and yes, do something uh, else. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, and with this, practically, uh, we would uh, uh, close the uh, circle to our first uh, driver who said he should have retired after his first year, but as um, but we don't because we still uh, have somebody. And uh, also I, I have uh, to um, update myself. He started uh, with the Williams Cosworth, then had been uh, driving the Toyota-powered Williams before he became, uh, I think, most famous uh, for driving with Mercedes, That's starting right. uh, also with Michael Schumacher. That's right. And uh, yeah, we all remember that. Yep. That was exciting. Yep. And uh, similar uh, as his master kicker, he has been uh, quite uh, good with managing and he is uh, uh, quite strongly uh, involved, especially uh, with supporting startups uh, related sustainability. So, uh, uh, for example, uh, uh, he uh, was part of uh, the German version of Shark Tank uh, called Höhle der Löwen, uh, which we have in a lot of countries where young inter- entrepreneurs present their ideas to a team of uh, three or four investors, and some of them invest into the business if they are lucky. Besides this, he's participating at the World Economic Forum, uh, at the Green Tech uh, Festival. I think he's one of the organizers and uh, the owner of uh, three vehicle dynamics uh, engineering uh, company related uh, car development if you're interested you can find the web page also uh, on the internet and also he's very active uh, on social media uh, including uh, linkedin so you can uh, follow him on linkedin uh, and I'm uh, I'm actually impressed, Patrick. I mean, this uh, screenshot says that he's a second connection, so you know someone who <laughs> who knows him. <Yes. laughs> wow, that's cool. And do you know this? Uh, what's this Rosberg X Racing? What's that? Is that a, a, a karting or? Yeah, uh, all luxury cars. Uh, I don't know. No, what it is. Uh, I think. If I'm uh, right, it's an electric uh, car mm-hmm. uh, racing team. So I don't know if it's a Formula E, or I think they had been in Formula E or somewhere else. It's it's related uh, his support to sustainable technology. Yeah, yeah. It's um electric racing team committed to working together with Extreme E family to help shape a better tomorrow. Okay. Yep. Interesting. Yeah, so, so his big focus, uh, uh, similar to the other drivers, is really on uh, sustainability. Okay, and uh, note, uh, Patrick knows someone who actually is the first connection to Nico Rosberg, because that's what this page says. It's a LinkedIn right. page. 
I don't know if I can find out on LinkedIn who's this person. Yeah, you can, you can, uh, because it's a, if it's a second, you can see who is the joint connection. Anyway, I have to find out. <clears throat> and uh, with this, we're coming to Jaime Victor Alucasi Escudero from uh, Spain. Uh, he was driving uh, at Toro Rosso, forty-six uh, entries. Um, maybe not that uh, well known as a driver, even if it was, if he was uh, quite uh, recent, uh, and uh, he had been three years. Yeah, but his dad is very famous uh, motorcycle motorcycling champion, right? Motorcycling driver. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, Sorry. it's not my big topic. Uh, right. Uh, but he had been three years at uh, Toro Rosso, so the second um, team uh, from Red Bull. Toro Rosso is Italian for Red Bull. Now Alfa Tauri, and uh, before this, it was the uh, Nari team. So uh, three years at a team, and we know uh, Red Bull, uh, they are quite fast with firing people if they not perform. So this uh, is uh, something uh, which he reached three years uh, at this team. Yeah, but uh, at the same time, Mentor Rosso wasn't really a competitive car compared to Red Bull, let's just say. Yeah, so. Well, it's it practically the junior team, you may mm -hmm. say so. And why we have him here? Because after this, he, be, uh, he uh, got his own uh, recording studio in uh, Barcelona and is working as a DJ under his stage name Squire. And you can find uh, this his music also on Spotify. And of course, we have included him too in our data-driven um, playlist. Yes, and I mean, he's actually a successful DJ. Right. And, uh, yeah, um, you know, was headlining a few events, and not only in Spain, but elsewhere. So yeah, brilliant. That's all. For example, uh, he was in the famous uh, club Amnesia in Ibiza. So uh, in uh, this uh, type of uh, music, uh, he's really uh, quite successful. And this was the last one we have uh, for today. Yeah, so you will hopefully learned something new today. And uh, um... at least we did. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, we did in preparation to this episode. Um, so we hope you enjoyed it and uh, we hope to see you next time with us. We are on all, practically on all platforms. Again, our main platforms are YouTube and Spotify. Um, and thanks to Patrick, we are present in the podcast format on many, many other platforms. So thank you for watching. Yeah, Obviously, uh, put some uh, comments and uh, you know today I mean I probably said a few controversial things as well and uh, yeah but uh, you can disagree with me it's always it's always also interesting to hear thanks a lot and we'll see of course time. I mean we are, we are including here our personal opinions and uh, these are our, our own uh, opinions and of course other people can have um, other opinions so uh, just my last uh, comment uh, if you have Spotify, you can find here our video podcast, but also we have there our music playlist. So we, there we included songs which are somehow uh, directly related to Formula One, including uh, the last example. 
Yeah, that's brilliant. And uh, thanks, uh, thanks, Patrick, for doing this. This is really amazing. All right. Thanks. With that, um, yeah, we'll see you. We'll see you next time. Bye. See you next time. Bye bye.